This is Bill Mick Live, iHeartRadio's talk for the Space Coast. With today's Common Sense on Common Radio. Here's Bill Mick. Welcome to Hour 3 of our Tuesday morning, February 22nd of 2022. It's being brought to you by Gatto's Tire and Auto Service. You want to play along in the conversation as we talk to the host of Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast. It's uh, Dave Bowman, by the way. 321-768-1240. We've been talking headline at BillMick.com, the games people play and shouldn't. Talking gamesmanship of all kinds uh, all morning long. We haven't gotten to war games yet, but I'm sure we will before the hour's done. We started off by saying good morning to Dave Bowman. Hey, Dave, how are things in Silverdale, Washington, this early morning? Crazy, Bill. It was snowing yesterday, then it was sunny, and then it was snowing again, and now it's it's clear, but it's still dark, of course. So. Yeah, no doubt. What what are your temperatures uh, averaging these Let's days? Let's see. Averaging is probably in the 40s. Right now, it's 30 degrees. So Okay. Okay. Not too bad. I saw where you I I saw where it got cold down there the other day. And, you guys were upset. So. We did, yeah. And, and you know, nights in the 60s and days in the 70s. I'm just throwing it out there for you. Uh, and I was listening to um, What the Frock, your weekend podcast with uh, our buddy Rod in Oakdale. And you guys were talking Georgia and the temperatures and, and humidity there. Come on down. August, September, you'll enjoy it, I promise. Oh, I've been I've been to Florida in the summertime, believe me. <laughs> No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. But, you know, you are welcome anytime. I know. And uh, if he comes this way to see his grandkids, which were just born, it's our buddy Rod. And uh, I'd like to try to talk him into a side trip down here. We're not that far. And there are direct flights Atlanta to Melbourne every day. Maybe just a, a, a one-day jaunt. Maybe I can talk him into it. I don't know. We can try. We can try. Yeah, we'll work on it. Dave, we've been talking games all day. And uh, interesting, you kind of start out today – with a game, you're referencing a show uh, that I've not seen, but I've had friends talk very positively about about how the states got their shapes. And you know, puzzles are a sort of game, so we'll go with that. Let's see what you're thinking. What games do you have back, in mind today? Back in 2010, there came a TV show called How, as you mentioned, How the States Got Their Shapes. It is a fantastic show. It is so good of a show, Bill, that I bought the show. So, you know, I own all the episodes and that sort of thing. Now, it's all based on a book called, remarkably enough, How the States Got Their Shapes. The book is terrible. Don't, don't waste your money on the book. But the TV show itself is fantastic. And you will learn some amazing things about American history. Like, do you ever wonder why Michigan has that little upper peninsula thing up there that, that doesn't, that's yeah. actually connected to Wisconsin? Sorry, Wisconsin, where the real Americans live. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder why that is? Why that, why that is? Yeah, never chased it, but wondered, sure. Because two states, Michigan and I believe it was Illinois, it might have been Ohio. I've lost my notes here at the moment, so I'm, I'm pulling this from my head. That's all right, you're allowed um, to do that. Ended up shooting at each other over Toledo. So as part of the settlement. And the first question in mind is, why? It's well, Toledo. Back in those days, it was much nicer. Uh, so as a settlement for that, they gave Michigan the upper peninsula and said, you don't get Toledo, but here you can, you can have this 
untamed forest land up here, which of course turned out to be far more valuable than Toledo uh, ever would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, California's up east- until Max Klinger came along, right? Or John Denver. Um, yeah. California's eastern border. Now, normally when, when state borders are defined, at least uh, if they're not on the latitude and longitude, they follow a geographic feature, like a river, a mountain ridge, that sort of thing. California's original eastern border was the, the ridge line, the, the peak line of the Sierra Nevada mountains. But if you look at a okay. map today, that's the one that Congress approved. But if you look at a map today, you'll notice that the eastern border of California is much further east than that. In fact, California contains all of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Why, you may ask? Because California, in 1850, told Congress to kiss off. This is where our border's going because we want all of the Sierra Nevadas because that's where all the gold and silver is. And Mm -hmm. that's where we want it. They were playing games with with Washington, D.C., and basically uh, they had the power and authority to do it, so they they did it, and Congress just sort of threw up their hands and went, whatever, go put it where you want. We don't care. We just want your votes. Interesting. We just want your votes. The state's borders are remarkable, and when you get the history of those, some of how those borders are formed, you start realizing that there's a lot of passions behind borders. You, you start realizing that there's a lot of emotion and just weird stuff that goes into it. When you look at national borders, those passions really become even stronger in so many ways. There's a region between France and Germany, you may have heard of it, called the Alsace-Lorraine. And this is a, an area that has changed hands numerous times between France and Germany. And in 1871, the Germans took it away from the French as Prussia defeated France, Fred, you know, and uh, Frederick the Great and all that. Um, and France saw this as the, the biggest insult France had ever, insult, ever, ever experienced. Nothing was greater than the fact that the Germans held the Alsace-Lorraine. In fact, in World War I, when World War I kicked off the first day, the French plans were so focused on retaking the Alsace-Lorraine that they basically ignored the entire rest of the front. Everything was about charging into the Alsace-Lorraine and retaking that. So they did. They marched in. They took one city, held a big parade, celebrated the fact that they got it back, and then the Germans took it away from them the next day again. So they're still kind of fighting over that, even to this day. In World War II, you had this... You had the Sudetenland in Germany, which was full of, quote-unquote, ethnic Germans living in Czechoslovakia, which no longer exists either. And there was this mindset in Germany that we had to reabsorb all these German ethnic areas. And this, of course, is what led to the, the compromise in Munich, which probably led to the war. Prussia was its own country, and then it was part of Germany, and then it was a province of Germany, and then it was, it doesn't even exist anymore. You can't find it on a map because it's been, it was so hated by Eastern European countries that it was uh, eventually absorbed. There's actually a country in the Balkan states known as Macedonia that a few years ago had to change its name because the Greeks didn't like it calling itself Macedonia. 
and they almost came to a war, Bill, over the name of some podunk little Balkan country that no most Americans couldn't even find on a map. These people were almost right. shooting each other over the name of the country because one country considered the other country's name, quote unquote, insulting. And of course, the borders played into all of this as these countries ebb and flow across history. It becomes more interesting to watch what country is where, when, how, why, looking at a map of pre-World War I Europe and post-Cold War Europe, you start to get the idea that there's a lot more to this border game than, than we're used to playing. And that's kind of led us to where we are today, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. And Dave will pick it up in just a minute. Three, two, one, seven, six, eight, twelve, forty. If you want in with Dave Bowman as we talk borders, nations, wars, gamesmanship, all the above on this Tuesday edition of Bill Mick Live. We're back in sixty seconds. Dave does history with us on these Tuesday eight o'clock hours of Bill Mick Live. We go to the phones. Line one, you're on with Dave Bowman. Good morning. Hey Bill. Hi Dave. This is Butch. Hey Butch, what are you thinking here, buddy? I just think it's a tragedy that we're going to another world we can't even fix our own country. Oh, I'm, I don't doubt that at all. Now, we should take care of ourselves. And I, I'm sorry, but enough's enough. And these politicians, most of them are totally out of control right now. You know, yeah, I, I think that's been the case for quite a bit. Butch, it's good to hear from you. Hope you're, uh, you're doing better, my friend. Nice to have you along. Dave, it is the passions, it is the politicians that lead us into these border conflicts and uh, they can escalate and get pretty big. Well, they, and they play on our passions for this, Bill. So I want you, before we take this break here, I, I want to ask you a, a series of questions that I want listeners to think about during the break. Now they might seem crazy to you, but just think about them. What if France today decided that they wanted Louisiana back? It's ours. We shouldn't, Napoleon didn't have the, the right to sell it to you. You stole it. You underpaid us. We want it back. What would our okay. reaction be? What if Russia said they wanted Alaska back? And in a more realistic scenario, because it's been played out recently, what if Mexico said they want Alta California back? What would our well, they were screaming that when you and I were together in Modesto, right? Yes, they were. What would our reaction be to that? And I want you to think about those three questions. As you think about the emotions of border games, and when we get back, we'll we'll pick it up on the other side. That sounds good. Dave Bowman with us. He hosts Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast. Links for you on the WMMB Facebook page. Links at BillMick.com on the Tuesday show page. And we're back with Dave talking border wars, war games, and maybe actual war. Looks what, look at what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. We're back in moments on 92.7 FM. WMMB. Stay with us. The time is 826. With your daily dose of common sense, uncommon radio, here's Dave does history in this hour of the program. The hour brought to you by Gatto's Tire and Auto Service. Insider email. Hit your inbox every day about 4 o'clock. If you're signed up, top of the page at BillMick.com. It'll link you back to everything we've done on the page throughout the day, plus other news and information from the resources of iHeartRadio across the country. So sign up, top of the page, at BillMick.com. We've been talking games, gamesmanship in multiple ways all morning long. 
Now we're talking uh, border games, Dave Bowman. What are we looking at here? So I left you with those three questions. What what would what would our reaction be if France called us up and said, "Hey, uh, we want Louisiana back." I don't know what your reaction would be. Mine would be to just laugh, say no. Um, I would laugh and say you could have the French Quarter. How's that? Yeah, French Quarter. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be rude here, but Louisiana, New Orleans, Nolens is kind of a third world country anyway, so you can have that. Um, yeah, exactly. What if Russia wanted a last? And after last season. Season performance you can have the same yes <laughs> now what if russia wanted alaska back would we would we even give that serious consideration i wouldn't but then no. you, didn't you get to this mexico versus alta california thing and it's there was as you mentioned back in the mid-2000s there was a huge movement that this belongs to mexico this was stolen this was whatever and it was kind of met with some I don't want to call it skepticism, but it was kind of met with some humor as well. Uh, I'm sure we talked about it on the shows back then, and I'm sure I know for a fact we did. And we actually went through uh, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I think most Americans would look at that and go, yeah, no. But there are people in both countries that think, what's the word for it? Oh, yeah, it's fair. You know, it's not fair that we took this stuff away from Mexico, uh, even though, even though we paid them for it. So th there's a, there's a mindset there that says this is part of us. And that's that what I was talking about, this emotions of a border, an emotion of land that is surprising to find out about, because I, I think we all know it, but we don't really think about it in those terms, especially because we're here in America. And we don't really make the connection between, uh, you know, what, what our borders are versus European borders that have fluctuated for the better part of, you know, 2000 years, these borders have been moving. Uh, it's hard to keep track of who's who sometimes in the great European thing. I'm fascinated by Roman history. Well, yeah, we've had border fluctuations within the country up until what, 1959, Alaska and Hawaii was, was pretty much the last time we had a border change in this country as far as the states go, right? And that, and that was only changing them from territories to states. I mean, we didn't really change the actual border. This isn't a case where we're, you know, threatening yeah, to... Yeah, you have to go back to 1863 in my native land for that one. <laughs> well, actually, there's a little bit more than that. But, you know, yeah. there was a time when we were ready to fight Great Britain 54, 40 or fight. We, we were ready to invade Canada, which at right now doesn't seem like all that bad of an idea in the, in the big scheme of things. But <laughs> the, the bottom line is when you're talking about the emotions of a border, you have to take into account the people behind it. What, what causes this emotional response that they have? And that's where we find ourselves today because I, many people are looking at this Ukraine situation going, there's two looks of this that I'm getting. One is we, we've got to stand up to Putin. We've got to, we've got to stop him in his tracks. And the other is who cares? It's Ukraine. What, why do we, why do we need to get involved in all this? Yeah. Before we dive into Ukraine, Dave, let me, let me take just a second, get the hour sponsor in here for everybody and then get a quick phone call as we talk these other issues on, on borders, as we get the day going. Yeah. And could this one in Ukraine be leading to war? And it looks like it may have already done just that. 
321-768-1240 gets you in here as Gatto's Tire and Auto Service brings you this hour of our programming. You know, I'm not a mechanically-minded guy at all. Wrote about that a little bit last week. Well, that's why I'm glad I can trust the folks at Gatto's Tire and Auto Service. Been in Brevard and doing business for over 50 years. Three generations of the Gatto family bringing this service to us in multiple locations around the county. The one I like is the one right across the street from my office here. It makes it nice and convenient, and I have been treated so well every time I've walked in the door at Gatto's. Those experienced staff members there understanding that, hey, automobile expenses can come unexpectedly. They can be a, a surprise, and as they look at your vehicle as a whole, they tell you the things that really need to be done now and the things that can put off if you need to put them off till later. And whether it's maintenance, repair, or tires, I've got to go to Gatto's. You do, too. Multiple locations around the county, and even though they're a locally owned business, they do have national benefits like warranties, quality parts and tires with availability of those uh, right there for you. They're ready to go, and ASC certified technicians doing the work on your uh, vehicle. From this hour's sponsor, Gatto's Tire and Auto Service. Dave, let's get a quick phone call in as we go to line one. Good morning. You're next on Bill McLive. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Rick. What's up, buddy? Hi, we had disconnected for a second with that back, though. Hey, you know, when it comes to which country's going to fall next, who knows, but there's going to be a bunch up in the next three years uh, under Biden. But when it comes to the United States uh, changing its shape, well, if we send all the illegals to California and allow no refugees to come out of California, put up a border wall around California, I think we'd be funny ahead. You think California, now California, obviously, Dave and I both having lived and worked there, Dave, much longer than I did, Rick, they, uh, very liberal politics are a, a yeah. crazy game yeah. there. Uh, do you think yeah. anything changes there? It's I just not going to well, happen. Well, we they would never be on our voting rules again. We'd get rid of California off our voting rules, and they would stop determining how the United States does things. Yeah, I can't see it ever happening, but it's an interesting thought. Rick, I'm glad you got in with us. Dave, California is a, a world unto itself, and you lived there a lot longer than I did. California is really three states. Uh, there was actually a move a couple of years ago to, to break it into six states, but fortunately that was defeated. But really there's three states. There's coastal California, which is very liberal. That's your San Francisco to Los Angeles pipeline. There's Northern California, which is very conservative and libertarian. And then there's Southern California, which is kind of the, the mix of the two. It's, it, it depends on where you are in there. I mean, you've got San Diego, which is theoretically fairly conservative, but you know, you got Orange County, which is hard, hardcore Republican, but really the big change in California was back when the Supreme court ruled the one man, one vote thing, as opposed to one voter one vote thing. So this is, and, and we don't have time to get into this, but this is why censuses and enumerations are so important and party registrations are so important because it, it changes the dynamics of things. And remember that the case that was probably going to overturn one man, one vote to back to one voter, one vote, which would have changed the dynamics in California was the case that had already been decided by the Supreme court, but not issued. So we don't know what the ruling was when Justice Scalia died. So we have no idea what that might have changed. And of course it's not oh, going wow. back. I didn't realize that. So it's, uh, it would have been a, it would have been a fundamental change in the way California was ruled, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but you know, it's interesting stuff. Well, yeah, that's okay. That, I mean, we can drift here, here and there. 
And I found it interesting during my time in the Central Valley. It was largely built as a conservative area. Uh, Much of our representation was at least labeled Republican. But I found most of the California Republicans I dealt with there in Modesto in that region, even though they're labeled Republicans, in Florida they might be moderate Democrats. That is certainly true. A a conservative Republican in California is pretty much a, a middle of the road to leftist Republican, hardcore right Democrat anywhere else. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's hard to explain the politics of California to people until you understand that the vast majority of people, you've seen the meme that says the vast majority of people in Canada live south of Seattle in Canada. It's the same thing in California. Most people in California live on the coast and they are extremely liberal and they control everything because of this one, one man, one vote population thing. I'm back to divide it up into states. I think that might be a good idea. Dave, we're going to move on to Russia and Ukraine when we continue in moments on Bill Mick Live. Dave will have thoughts and you can share yours. 321-768-1240. Dave does history on Bill Mick Live. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service bringing you Hour 3 of our Tuesday morning. If it's Hour 3 of a Tuesday, means Dave does history. Is Dave Bowman, host of Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, joins us for the hour. Links for you on the WMMB Facebook page and on the show page today at BillMick.com, where the headline is Games People Play. We've been talking games all day. Talking uh, now, Dave, potentially war games here as we get a look at uh, Russia and what's going on with Ukraine. So... Vladimir Putin is, I don't even know what to call him. The premier of Russia, the king, the czar of Russia, the chairman of the Soviet party. I don't, I don't, I I know his title is president, but he sees himself as more than that. He sees himself. He who shall be obeyed. He sees himself, Bill, as the new czar of a new Russian empire. And we, when we talk about this emotion behind borders, that's really where the motivation for this comes from. There's an old Russian proverb that says this, there is no Russian empire without Ukraine. Ukraine is the heart of Russia. Now, if you go back into the history of Ukraine and the history of Russia, and, and you look at Putin's thesis, I mean, Putin wrote an article some months ago uh, outlining the whole story of Ukraine and Russia. And, and I can synthesize it for you. I mean, it's, it's hours long read. It's, it's painful to read, but in essence, what it says is Ukraine is Russia is Ukraine. We are one in the same. There is no Ukraine. It it's Russia. And so therefore we have this claim on this because again, without the Ukraine, which is the heart of the Russian empire, we can't, uh, we can't survive. Ukraine has been part of Russia since the mid 1700s. Prior to that, it was actually part of Latvia and Poland and uh, other places as well, but it was absorbed into Russia in the 1700s by the czars. And it really has been the, you know, it's the breadbasket of Russia. It's where you grow most of your grain and stuff like that from. It's where Stalin, we talked about this a few weeks ago, starved most of the indigenous population out of existence in the 1930s and then moved his, his folks into there. So of course, most of them are quote unquote, ethnic Russians now, because 
that's where they can trace their descent from. And so he has this mindset that Ukraine belongs to Russia. It's traditionally Russia. It's, it's ours. It's our heart. It's our people, which is literally the same arguments that that other guy, what was his name? Uh, the guy with the budget and the must, the funny mustache. It's the same argument he used about Czechoslovakia in 1938. Oh, it's always been ours. And these people are ours. And so we struggled in 1938 with compromise over that. We've struggled here in 2021 with compromise over what we're going to do, you know, over Ukraine. And I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know that the Russian mentality is we don't really exist as a major empire, as a world power, unless Ukraine is part of Russia. And they're not going to be satisfied with the two chunks of it that they annexed yesterday or the two chunks that they annexed back in 2014. They're not, it's not going to be enough. And so are we really willing to fight over those borders? Do we really want to do this? Are we going to do this? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I know, I know that Biden's response last night was kind of squish on the whole thing. Germany this morning has announced that they're canceling the, the Nord Stream pipeline, but they're not certifying it anyway. And all of this is over border games, Bill, borders that have shifted hundreds of times just within the last millennial and are doomed to shift in the future as well. But it's not going to stop Vladimir Putin from trying to enforce his will on it today. Which is kind of how Dave, we do you have an understanding of how the people in Ukraine and 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 the portions of Russia they're bordering, how do they interact? How do do they do they uh, trade with each other? Do they they do business in each other's places? Is there frequent? How is that association between the people at this moment? At this moment, I couldn't tell you. Ten years ago, I can tell you they're they're highly dependent on each other. Ukraine is Russia is Ukraine is Putin's thesis. They speak the same language. Now there's some, some regional dialect differences, kind of like there are between the South of the United States and the North of the United States. This is the same language, but not always the same words about things. Um, I know several Ukrainians personally, and they are incensed by what's happening, but they are not Eastern Ukrainians. They are not people who, who are from the areas that Russia has declared independent now and is taken under their protection. The, the general response of, of Ukraine has been one of, we're going to fight you. We're going to stand up to you because Ukraine traditionally hates Russia. Traditionally, even though it's the heart of Russia, the Ukrainians themselves have always hated Russia. When the, when the Nazis invaded in 1941, the Ukrainians welcomed them with flowers and parades and said, yay, until they discovered what the Nazis were. And then it was kind of like, well, crap, you know, which, which one, which one's worse? We don't know. So uh, what we're told is the Ukraine is going to fight how successfully that's going to be and how much that's going to involve other nations is really the question at this point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It does seem that way. Speaking of questions, we get to calls at three, two, one, seven, six, eight, 12, 40. When we pick it up in one minute on 92.7 FM, WMMB. Tomorrow, a wide-open Wednesday on Bill Mick Live, the one day a week you're not restricted to the topics I have in play. Talk anything you like. Anytime you call us, all three hours of the show. Dave does history as we conclude a Tuesday morning here on Bill Mick Live. Dave, we go to the phones. We check in first with line one. Good morning. You're on Bill Mick Live. 
Uh, Bill and Dave. Hey, Mario. Wonderful, beautiful, beautiful day. Hey, um, the, a great discussion, you know, uh, General Robert E. Lee, uh, after the war, in, in conversations, said that he had been approached to discuss the possibility of guerrilla warfare. Go south, okay, consolidate and, 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 and go up into the hills, guerrilla warfare, and he said, his response was he did not want the states, meaning the southern states and the northern states, to end up like the European countries that were just endless, hundreds of years, over and over again, guerrilla warfare. Now, my question uh, to you, uh, Dave Bowman, is uh, do you think, now they have said, they have mentioned it, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Ukrainians, that they might go into guerrilla warfare and just have a prolonged war for many, many years. Do you think that's a possibility? Ooh, interesting question, Mario. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Dave, go ahead. Is it a possibility? Yes, it is. I mean, that's what happened in Afghanistan when the Soviets invaded in 1980. In effect, how much of that will be dependent upon United States or Western aid? And how will Russia see that as an attack on them and use that as a rationale for, okay, we need to extend our, our security zone further west. I mean, this was the whole thing about the Iron Curtain with, with uh, Stalin wanting Poland and Czechoslovakia and Hungary. He wanted a buffer zone. Well, <coughs> Putin could, could look at that sort of approach to things, of if, especially if we're supporting that and say, okay, that's, that's justification for invading further countries, especially like Latvia, Estonia. Uh, you should look at a map right now, Bill. I, I was a little surprised that most people didn't know that. Did you know that there's a portion of Russia just north of Poland? They, they maintained a part of Prussia. It's still Russia, even though it's cut off from Russia. So I, I can see them using that sort of guerrilla warfare as an excuse for expanding their quote unquote security zone. Mm-hmm. Could very well see that happening. Let's go to line two. You're next on Bill McLive. Good morning. Hey, Bill, Dave. Uh, and this is Eric in Brevard. Yeah, interesting discussion. Uh, you got me thinking, uh, uh, Mr. Bowman, about uh, you know some of your comments about history and how it uh, applies to what we're doing today. It seems to be pretty apparent that it all, it all depends on how far back in history you want to go as to what you're going to stand on, what argument you're going to stand on. And, um, you know, as far as the Russians go and, and going back to the 1700s, but you could go earlier than that if you wanted to. And it seems that at the same time, we've got the left, the extreme left and extreme right in and, and our country. And to my mind, the right feeling I'm willing to have discussions about where we've fallen in between and, and, uh, and how we can work out things you know, on the, the right side of the discussion. But, uh, uh, Eric, we lost. Okay, you're back. We lost you for a minute. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what you lost. But uh, so where I was going with it is that, you know, you can go as far back in history as you want to make whatever argument you want. And then we have the left making the argument for no borders. We've got the extreme right, you know. Um, actually, it seems in a couple of different places, you know, with the neocons, you know, saying that, uh, that we're all about... Uh, not doing any invasions at all, and, and we're at a new place in world history, uh, and that um, we shouldn't be uh, doing any of this, and we shouldn't support any of it or allow any of it. All right, so, Eric, uh, thanks. I appreciate the perspectives and, and the questions you lay out there. 
Dave, another question that I've got in that regard is, are we capable? Uh, uh, should the country decide to engage over there to protect the Ukraine or, or other regions? Are, are we capable of carrying it out militarily now? You know, in 1914, people thought this is going to be quick. It's going to be easy. God is on our side. They thought the same thing in 1861, and it turned out not to be that case. I am very, very reticent to jump on the, hey, let's go, let's go defend Ukraine against the Russian army. Could we beat them? I'm going to say probably, but we need to understand that that probably comes with a big caveat, which is if you think that the 10,000 people we lost in the war on terror was a lot, you're going to be in for a rude shock because this war, if it goes full on war, is going to be bloody. It is going to be a mess. It is going to make 1914, 1939 look simple. And at the end of the day, what will be decided? Will Ukraine be part of Russia or not? And what will we gain either way? And would it end the argument permanently? And the chances are, based on what you've told us this morning, no. Not only no, but it will necessitate further permanent deployment if we win. How long? We're still in Europe from World War II. How long are we going to be in Ukraine? Yeah, it would seem to be something that would be prolonged, extended, and 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 demanded if if we're going to go that direction. Yep. I just uh, I'm very cautious about this. I'm not not a fan of Putin. I'm not supporting what Putin's done. I don't think what Putin's done is legit. But I'm I guess as you get older, you start realizing that war isn't as uh, as to quote Robert E. Lee again, which is not one of my favorite things to do. It's a good thing the war is so terrible. Otherwise, we'd become too fond of it. And yeah, I see a lot of people true. that are Dave fond Bowman, of Dave Bowman, always a pleasure to dive into history with you on these Tuesday mornings. Thanks for this one. We'll look forward to it next week, buddy. We'll see you then. All right. Dave Bowman, plausibly live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast. You can catch more of Dave there, thedavebowmanshow.com. Links for you on the WMMB Facebook page and the uh Bill Mick's show page today at BillMick.com. Thanks to Gatto's Tire and Auto Service. They made the hour possible. You missed any of this one? Always get the podcast section at BillMick.com and the Bill Mick Live iHeartRadio channel. Get yourself ready for Wide Open Wednesday tomorrow. We'll get started at 6 a.m.